0: Hello, this is Andrea Whiteley from Perth, Western Australia. You're listening to Smart Talk, the Mike Novak Show. Starts in three, two,
1: one. It's Christmas! Oh yeah, Christmas, it's all happening now, isn't it? It's all happening. December. Prime time for Sellotape and scissors. <laughs> <laughs> so these two really come into their own, isn't it? By the way, everyone in this room has sellotape and scissors and you think you know where they are. (laughs) They're probably not there, because they're always on the move. You're sitting there going, I actually know where my sellotape and scissors are, but no, not when you want them, not when you bloody want them! (laughs) You'll be opening the drawer. I thought they were... Who's moved the scissors? (laughs) They move on their own, the scissors. They're crafty little bastards. And the sellotape, as soon as you leave the sellotape unattended, it will wind itself up when you're not looking. (laughs) Sometimes you give up. I'm not going to look for the scissors anymore. I'm going to buy new scissors. I don't care. I don't need to spend my whole life looking for scissors. I'm going to get new scissors. You think you've won? You think you've won, don't you? You get your new scissors. I've got some new scissors. Forget the old scissors. I'm going to spend my whole life looking for those babies. Here's my new scissors. Then you realise that the scissors come in a plastic packaging that closely... (laughs) ...closely covers the scissors. And you can't get in... ...unless you have scissors. The very thing you need is staring at you through the plastic window. It's the Mike Novak Show with
0: Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow
1: on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find, temperate zones and tropic climes, and true currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine, well, good planets are, are hard to find. Planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams perfect there. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are in the main.
2: Alright. And I'm just watching Facebook here. Yep. And, and watching uh, people get online one by one.
0: It's working. Oh,
2: and there's another. Look at this. She fixed them, Peggy. That we had a bell. We had a a a, a bell emergency. We had bell a down. Dinger down. No, it's a dinger down. <laughs> dinger down. And uh, and I thought, oh, we're going to have to go with just one dinger today. And, you know, I was thinking we might take the dinger and we just might put it on top of the garbage bin outside and have the scrap guys come by. And, well, are we okay? 90 se- You're going to be 90 seconds. We just got here. <laughs> okay, Andrew. And we could put it out there and have the scrap guys come mm-hmm. and uh, and take it away. Or we could fix it. Or, which we did, which Peggy did. I looked at it, went, eh, "Okay, I'll go with one dinger today." But no, Peggy, woo, fix the dinger, and that brings to mind the book we're going to talk about today because it's an important book. You should pick this up secondhand travels in the new global garage sale by Adam Minter, author of Junkyard Planet. Uh, this is a guy who knows more about recycling. Than probably anybody on the planet right now. And I have been trying to talk to this guy for two years, trying to get him on the show when we finally did. Because he's not in Malaysia right now, or Kuala Lumpur, or he hangs out there a lot, Singapore way. this this book brought him all over the planet. I know. He's all over the planet talking about how the world reacts to secondhand stuff. And to stuff. Mm -hmm. Stuff in general. And it's so stuff pro- no one wants. It's so appropriate to talk about it at this time of the year because it's Christmas. Ah, yeah! <laughs> uh, that's sometimes fun. All right, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be back with Adam Minter. Stick around. This is going to be a good conversation. It's the holiday season, and City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, has everything you need to decorate and celebrate. Christmas trees locally grown in Wisconsin, wreaths, swag, custom holiday containers, and more. Pick them up or have them delivered. Don't forget, Mike Novak and the Frozen Robins stop by on Thursday, December 19th at 6.30 p.m., 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. Citygrange.com. Learn. Shop. Ho, ho, ho. 2019 marked 20
0: years of Faith in Place, empowering people of all faiths to be leaders in caring for the earth. Not only that, right now is the 10th annual season of the Indoor Winter Farmers Market Program. Enjoy fresh local food from November through April at Indoor Farmers Markets, hosted by 16 Chicagoland Houses of Worship, on select Saturdays and Sundays. Faith in Place accepts Illinois Link Card SNAP benefits. For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org.
3: Oh, boy.
0: Where did you find that?
2: Ah, uh, I was cruising the inner tubes and looking for Christmas stuff and found Chewbacca singing, <laughs> singing Silent Night. So I thought I'd throw that into hey, the why mix not? here. Well, it's... It's not as bad as some of the stuff is going to get here on the program. (laughs) Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And the guy uh, on the Skype from Minneapolis who has to deal with all of that right now as an introduction to his segment (laughs) is Adam Minter. I mentioned him in the first segment. He's the author of Junkyard Planet and now secondhand travels in the new global Garage sale, uh, or garage sale, as as, uh, as we say, some places on the planet. Uh, And you should know that uh, Adam uh, is a columnist at Bloomberg Opinion. He writes about China technology, the environment. I've been following his stuff for several years. He's also got uh, a site website called shanghaiscrap.com, and I've been trying to get him on the program for a couple of years. The problem is... Mainly, Adam, and and good morning, by the way, Adam. Good morning. Um, you're you're usually on the other side of the planet. You don't. Uh, uh, your base is no longer Minneapolis, where you grew up, but you migrated over to Malaysia, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, those areas. Uh, why is that?
4: Uh, well, in 2002, I actually moved to uh, Shanghai, China. Um, and that was to start covering the uh, global recycling trade from over there. And for a number of years, uh, I spent my time covering uh, the globalization of waste and recycling. And we all know the story about how our recycling, uh, so much of it is imported by China for being made into new raw materials and new products that get shipped back to us. So I spent 12 years there. And then in 2014, uh, 12 years is a long time to spend... uh, uh as in one place as a journalist so we migrated mm-hmm. down to Malaysia southeast asia uh where i've been based uh, since uh,
2: amazing uh it, it's a world that i would imagine is very different from what you see here in the united states
4: well, just on a physical level, I'm in Minnesota right now looking out at a snowbank. And, and uh, in Malaysia, it's all tropics all the time. So, uh, you know, just in terms of climate, it's very different. But it's, it's, an, it's emerging markets. It's it's people pulling themselves up, entering the middle class um, with, you know, all the good that comes with that. Uh, it's, you know, it's a country on the make, and, and it's a really exciting place to be.
2: Uh, and an exciting place to be if you're covering this particular Topic: This this issue, which you have done before, give us give us the uh, the elevator speech about your first book, Junkyard Planet.
4: Well, Junkyard Planet was about the stuff that goes into recycling bins, both in homes and in factories, and I wanted to show people that globalization of of our recycling, people buying it and importing it in other countries, isn't such a bad thing. In fact, on balance, it's good for the environment. Um, There are problems with it, but it's something that we shouldn't run away from. It's actually a, a more efficient way for us to use all of our resources.
2: And and I want to get into that before we get to the new book, uh, just very quickly, because this is something I've been hoping to talk to you about for a couple of years. You mentioned China, and, and, and we know there was, uh, what, the green sword and the green fence. Right. Um, and uh, uh, and uh, some folks – in the United States uh, got upset because they sure. said uh, China is not taking our junk anymore. What, what the heck is the matter with those people? Uh, and of course, I, uh, I turn to them and say, what makes you think that China is required to take our junk? Um, what has been the effect of that in the
4: last few years? Well, I, I, let me back up you know, two steps, if you don't mind. Sure, I mean, sure. the, reason, the reason China imported all of that recycling is because it needed it. Um, you know, one, one big misconception out there is that recycling is dumped on developing countries. But that's not how global trade works. You can't just put a shipping container on a boat and send it somewhere and tell the shipping company to go and dump it off. It doesn't work that way. Somebody has to pay for it and be the consignee. And what I always tell people in my talks about recycling is recycling follows manufacturing. It's not recyclable unless somebody wants to make something more from it. And the reason China imported all that recycling is it's the world's biggest manufacturer, so it wanted to make stuff from it. But as China becomes more affluent it starts throwing away more stuff of its own, it generates its own recycling. And so as sort of a trade protection measure, the government started talking a few years about limiting the amount of recycling that comes in, especially the lower quality stuff so that they could manufacture better and better stuff from it. So what that ends up meaning is that, uh, you know, the U.S., if we just... It's restricted to the U.S., but the U.S. is by no means the only country that exports. More Mm -hmm. than 100 countries around the world export recycling. The U.S. then has to find somebody else to manufacture stuff from the stuff we put in our recycling bin. And, you know, many people don't realize this. We've seen a lot of coverage of Malaysia importing it where I live. But actually, the number one importer in terms of value of U.S. recycling right now is Canada. Because they can manufacture from it, and so that's sort of an undercovered story that I'll probably get to sometime in the next ah, year. Ah,
2: that see, I I was not aware of that myself. Uh, but something else that you say often, and I, I have uh, used uh, when I talk about this subject to uh, to groups and on the on the radio, is. Uh, The idea that recycling is dead. Some people have written that story. That story has been written a number of times in the past few years. Recycling's dead. Uh, It doesn't work anymore. It's not profitable. We need to find a new model. And you debunk that every single time.
4: Yeah, it is profitable. I mean, nobody goes and plays in your trash because it's fun. You have to pay somebody to do it, and and you know, and people have been doing this since the dawn of the industrial revolution, and arguably they've been recycling since Paul Revere went around, you know, Boston and his and its suburbs looking for silver that he could melt down into new uh, silver that you know you see now in museums. Recycling is as old as industrialization. Uh, it's still profitable, but like any commodity based business, and and I always encourage my environment. Environmental friends to think of recycling as a business not just as an environmental good but as a business it's a commodity business it it you know you're Scrap aluminum cans compete with people digging holes in the ground, and like any commodity business, it has its ups and downs. And when I researched junkyard planet, you know, you would see it go through these cycles. And right now, it's going through a downturn. But the fact of the matter is, it's usually cheaper to reuse something than it is to go dig a hole, or cut down a tree, or dig an oil well. And and because of that, you're going to see recycling persist. It's not dead. It will continue.
2: Uh, there you go write that down folks send that out Ellie send make make that a tweet and and get that out there right away the Adam Minter says recycling is not dead all right and it's appropriate I think that you're talking to us at this time of the year it's uh, the the date today is December 8th we're coming up on on Christmas uh, and it's a stuff when junk uh, let me let me not I will not say stuff. Job, stuff. Yeah, I was going to say stuff, stuff in every form imaginable is out there to be bought and sold, and given away, and sometimes last less than a day, used less than a day, and moved somewhere else. Uh, maybe recycled. Maybe turned over to somebody else. It's, it's maybe put in the basement. It's a right or an attic. Uh, and that's what you write about in Secondhand Travels in the New Global Garage Sale. Uh, one of the things I was struck by in the book is the idea that there is no consistent model across the planet for how people view secondhand stuff. It depends on the culture. It depends on the history. And you write about that and how different people look at differently at, uh, at uh, secondhand goods, uh, for instance, Japan. Uh, is uh, is is switching in that direction? Is moving in that direction? But for the longest time, was interested only in new stuff, right?
4: right well I mean you know the other, the other key uh, part of you know how second hand is viewed is um, is also economic circumstance of course people at different economic levels will view it differently um, but yes Japan is a particular interest of mine um, in this book I wanted to go there because they they are sort of a glimpse to the future for many wealthy countries Japan had an extraordinary period of affluence in the middle part of the 20th century and that generation that enjoyed that affluence they bought a lot of stuff they kept it in their homes their homes are smaller than Mm -hmm. ours but they like their stuff as much as Americans do and now something very interesting is happening like many affluent societies the birth rate has started declining in fact Japan is in a negative population growth phase so there's just fewer people to take that stuff and reuse it to want it they don't have very many children there Um, you know family size is shrinking and so one of the things I wanted to do is figure out where is all that stuff that's being left behind by this generation that's downsizing passing away where is it going and so I actually ended up following quite a bit of it around Southeast Asia, um, around uh, uh, even into Africa. And I started looking at how they're handling it in Japan. And And it's it's looked at in many cases in Japan as both a burden, but it's also looked at as a great economic opportunity.
2: And you, you write about the new culture, the secondhand culture in Japan, uh, these companies that will go in and clean out What's right. left from uh, – describe uh, how that works in Japan.
4: Sure, sure. Well, because you have this problem of these shrinking families, aging people with very few or no children, you have this question of who is going to clean up the estate, who is going to distribute it, sell it off, recycle it, throw it out. Who wants and who wants it and so what has happened is you have the clean out industry in Japan and that's basically um, you know thousands of small businesses uh, around Japan that compete to go into people's homes um, literally go through the things and segregate them into piles if you will you know this one will go in the trash this one will go to recycling this can be sold to what they call recycle shops there and the recycle shops more often than not some of them will put some of the things on their retail shelves but a lot of them specialize in exporting the stuff to other countries and it's a it's a booming business, and it's a booming service that people need because there just aren't enough people in Japan to use all this stuff, and there just aren't enough heirs and friends even to clean it out. And it's not just Japan, Japan, of course. Um, I also describe in the book how this a form of this industry has emerged in the United States too for similar reasons.
2: And uh, by the way, I should mention. And again, the name of the book is "Secondhand Travels in the New Global Garage Sale." That's Adam Minter on uh, on the. Uh, is it Skype or Zoom today, uh, Andrew?
4: It's oh. Skype.
2: It's Skype. Skype. Okay. Um, and you're so a, if you if you go to Facebook, you can watch this live. Yeah, you can watch. You can see uh, Adam on, uh, on the this, Mike Novak on show. the Skype machine. Yeah, go to the Mike Novak show on Facebook right now. We're streaming live. Um, you're a terrific writer and very engaging writer. And one of the things you bring home in talking about these companies that do this is, are the emotions involved in it? The people who, who have lost a loved one and now have to bring somebody in to go through the remains uh, and the goods that are in the home uh, who are very attached to it. And then the professionals who come in and they can't afford to be attached to any of this. They, they It's all... Very organized and very quick because this is how you make your money. You got to get it done, get it in the truck. Some of it's going into the garbage, some of it's going into recycling, it's in various places. Those that's what's pretty amazing. And the thing that uh, really interested me was the company called Book Off. Um, Right. uh, That is something you say we really don't have here in the United States. Could you explain what Book Off is?
4: Sure. So, Bookoff is right now the second largest secondhand company in uh, Japan, which is saying something because they have a massive secondhand industry. Uh, It's one of the oldest, and it's certainly the most influential. Uh, When it started in the early nineteen nineties, of course, people were buying secondhand stuff in Japan, but it was often through pawn shops or sort of bookstores that were used bookstores that were targeted towards um, the collectible scene. You know, it wasn't it wasn't for everybody. And Bookoff had this great insight that you know, if we made buying and selling secondhand stuff as attractive as a retail, a new retail environment, maybe we can actually get more stuff and also be able to sell stuff and stuff that gets you get that you create this repurposed secondhand economy. And, and, and the story I love about book off, and it's such a fascinating insight is they started out as the name suggests, just focused on books. And when people would bring them books, they tended to be in pretty bad shape. So they developed a machine that would clean up the books. It would basically shave off the edges. So the turned corners, the mm-hmm. yellowed pages, and you turn a, a used book into one that looks fairly new. And something really interesting happened. Um, as that went on for a few years, and people knew about that machine, they started bringing in better stuff. And so before, when it was they had we were using the machine a lot in Book Off, they wouldn't pay very much for books. But people figured out, hey, wait a second, they want to sell stuff in really good shape in this really nice, bright, nice, brightly lit store that looks like a Gap. So they started bringing in better and better stuff, and pretty soon Book Off didn't need that machine anymore. You know, because people suddenly realize that if they take care of their stuff, they create a secondhand market for it. And that's something that we haven't really done in the U.S. yet. We don't have those really attractive secondhand shops, and we haven't really been able, in our retail environment, to create this perception that you can actually have a thriving retail industry. You know, secondhand doesn't mean the death of business. It doesn't mean the death of growth, even. It just means a transition to different ways of thinking about it and can be still attractive, still fun, and still people can make money from it.
2: All right. That's uh, Adam Minter. Uh, that's Japan. We've been to the United States. We're going to go to other countries in the world with him. Secondhand travels in the new global garage sale. We'll be right back.
1: Hello, this is Brock from Hero Power. Dirty Power is suffocating Chicago. Stop paying for coal to burn and choose the easiest way to switch to clean energy today. Hero Power offers a no-hassle option for Illinois residents to pay for renewable electricity sources, like wind and solar, and keep paying the same rate as they did with ComEd. The same rate! It's a no Brainer, your money goes toward renewable energy, and you avoid long-term contracts, termination fees, or the need to schedule another appointment. You can do all of this in just three minutes and drastically reduce your carbon footprint right now. So don't just complain about climate change. Do something about it. By switching to Hero Power, you take a huge step towards cutting carbon emissions and utilizing our natural wind and solar energy. It's a reliable and convenient way to switch to paying for premium electricity at no extra cost. Let's fight for a clean energy future together. Get clean energy in just a few clicks at MyHeropower.com. Enroll today at MyHeropower.com.
0: Hey, this is Peggy, and I'm here to tell you about Natural Awakening Chicago Magazine, your independent go-to resource for everyday wellness. Natural Awakenings is still the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. For more than eight years, we've been helping you find ideas and resources to lead a healthier, more fulfilling, and sustainable lifestyle. Each month, we take a fresh look at nutrition, wellness, fitness, complementary medicine, personal growth, and green living. Natural Awakenings includes great articles about raising healthy kids, too. And we include lots of ideas for your home, your garden, and taking care of our planet. If you like good food, you'll love our tasty recipes and meal ideas, and check out our monthly calendar. It's full of local events to keep you inspired and connected. Natural Awakenings is available throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry Counties, and it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more.
2: Tom Waits. Oh very good. You get a you get a di- <laughs> you get a ding on that, but you didn't identify Chewbacca the first time. I did so.
4: not, that's for sure.
2: So we're trying to uh figure out who has the better voice. Is it Tom Waits or Chewbacca? Or Chewbacca. I said Chewbacca Chewbacca. Yeah. Chewbacca, 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 tomato, whatever. tomato. You know, I'm a Star Trek fan, not a Star Wars fan, and that's that's part of the deal anyway. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're very pleased, uh, and we've got to let him go. So we've only got a few more minutes to talk to Adam Minter because he's off to the Vikings game in Minneapolis today, and his dad has the probably the cars running, the motors running, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. He's, going,
0: come on, Adam, get off the phone. I
2: hope he's sitting in there listening to the show, but maybe he's, he probably, he's probably listening to the pregame, don't right. you think? Uh, So uh, not this show necessarily. Uh, And uh, Adam's book, uh, as I said, Secondhand Travels in the New Global Garage Sale. Let's go very quickly around the world, starting with uh, the United States, because after you went to Japan and you write about Japan, you talk about the United States and what we do here, specifically goodwill, uh, which uh, a lot of people look to as the gold standard for Reused stuff for secondhand uh, goods. Um, I was I was kind of stunned by uh, some of that. And you you go to Arizona to some of the uh, to the area there, the Goodwill region, and they have regions, uh, I guess semi semi autonomous regions across the country of Goodwill stores. Right.
4: Um, yeah, I spent, uh, for this book, I spent uh, about three weeks in uh, Arizona in the uh, territory for, of the Goodwill of Southern Arizona, which is basically Tucson South to the Mexican border. And that was a very deliberate choice because most of the customers for the Goodwill of Southern Arizona stuff, and it's a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. um, are people coming up uh, from Mexico, crossing the Mexican border, going to Goodwill stores, going to their outlet centers all, where they sell things by the pound, not by the price tag, purchasing things and then driving them back to Mexico, about 60 miles, where they're sold to wholesalers or sold in flea markets um, uh, to people uh, who want durable, used American goods. And without that trade, uh, the Goodwill of Southern Arizona, Tucson in general, would need to find someone else to buy their stuff. And I don't think they would.
2: Wow. So th- it's important that Mexico is is a kind of partner, although it's, it's sort of an unofficial trade there i mean you you've got people you are in a truck i'm reading about you going back and forth across the border do how closely do they uh study you and talk to you the the uh, the um the border guards I, I mean how quickly can you go across the border
4: Well, there's, I mean, uh, I'm not an expert on the border, but I I will tell you what goes on with this. Uh, The guy who I spent time going back and forth over, he had a a card that allowed him to expedite his travel over. Mm -hmm. That had nothing to do with the secondhand trade. But the interesting thing about secondhand goods into Mexico is they are technically illegal. Um, You know, the new products manufacturers in Mexico do not want to compete against used goods. Um, They consider it competition for their businesses. And yet the Mexican government has always let this trade go on. Nobody has ever been prosecuted. So, far as anybody knows. So there's really no problem with it, um, so long as uh, the the, US, the, gov- the border guards on either side don't see any problem, uh, you know, any sort of criminal intent on the part of people who are doing this trade. So it's it's allowed to flow, but it's a very sort of gray market activity uh, that benefits all of us.
2: So it's not black market, but it's gray market, and it's just uh, security or security, uh, you know, our, our law officials looking, looking the other way. Looking the other way. Uh, right. Is...
4: Well, not I mean, you know, there's no problem with exporting secondhand goods from the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, the U.S. border guards could care less. I mean, when they run a pickup truck and I describe going into an X-ray machine in this uh, in this book, uh, in a it's an, a pickup truck X-ray machine and people theoretically can stay in it. They're, they're not looking for secondhand goods. They're looking for, you know, other kinds of yeah, contraband, contraband that are illegal.
2: Yeah. Right. OK.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's kind of similar to I think it was Nigeria. You said it's not legal Same situation. Yeah. They look the other way.
2: In fact let's let's do that. I mean we could go we could talk all day. Uh I He's got, you, a to to. Yeah, got a Vikings game to get to. Yeah, you got a Vikings <laughs> game to get to and I I'm fascinated by the whole goodwill thing and and their their uh the challenge that they have in, sure. in, in they've got a Walmart across the street and, and very quickly you write Uh, you got a a quote from a guy uh, of the uh, Goodwill Industries of Southern Arizona who says, think of it as Walmart headquarters calling a Walmart store manager and saying, you got a truck of product coming. The manager is like, yeah, okay, yeah, I know. And the manager in HQ is like, oh, and oh, by the way, we don't know what's in that truck. No one thing in the truck is the same as any other one thing. And oh, by the way, you need to price all of it. And oh, by the way, you definitely need to make a profit selling
4: it. I'm so glad you pulled that quote out because it's one of my favorites from the book. And and it it really gets to the heart of the challenge that a charity like Goodwill, which handles more used stuff than any other organization in the United States has, the challenge that they have, because they don't know what they're getting every day and they still have to figure out how to sell it. And so, you know, we don't tend to think of people who work at Goodwill as highly skilled and knowledgeable, but I spent a bunch of time in the sorting rooms where they go through this stuff and believe me, they know more about us than we do on the basis of the things that we send through Goodwill, the level of expertise uh, when it comes to secondhand clothing and being able to judge whether something is sellable to Goodwill customers just on the basis of touch or looking at a label or having a sense of how recently that fashion was manufactured because things the quality of fashion is declining very quickly, the quality of fabric. Yeah. It's an extraordinary phenomenon. The, f-
2: the fast fashion. Yeah, uh, it, it, it really is. And it's really sophisticated marketing that folks probably are not aware of. They're, they're being manipulated to some degree, but that's what marketing is uh, anyway. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. price it low enough, people buy it, and then they're comfortable throwing it away after five times. Right, and if, if it stays on the racks too long, they get rid of it, uh, right. j- just like right. any store. All right, right, let's move across to another continent uh, and, and Ghana.
0: So you spend a lot of time talking about Nigeria and Ghana and Europe and the whole mm-hmm. flow of secondhand goods there. Uh, particularly electronics and uh, um, hard goods
4: right well i I really wanted to spend time in Africa because we all I like to break down you know people's images of i like to I like to surprise people, and so one of the things I'd learned a few years ago spending time in Ghana and then I followed up with it is that the electronics we always hear about being quote unquote dumped into Africa and we've all seen the pictures of the stuff being set fire to it's actually a much more complex trade than than what those images and those investigative reports show The primary reason that electronics are imported into Africa from Europe primarily is is because they want to reuse them. And they will import broken electronics, broken televisions, broken phones, and fix them there. And the repair cultures in these countries are very sophisticated, because they can't afford a lot of new, and they need to take care of the things that they have. And so you see folks in Africa, in Nigeria, and Benin, and Togo, doing the kinds of repairs you would be very hard, hard pressed to find people doing in Chicago, actually opening up phones and fixing the motherboards in them, the mm-hmm. circuit boards in them. Now that's not to say that the trade is perfect, But that's what drives the stuff into Africa. And when you see these pictures of stuff being burned, that certainly happens, but it's not the freshly imported stuff. It'd be commercial suicide to import something to set fire to it. Why would you do that? Even if there's a little bit of gold in there, it doesn't make sense. What you're seeing burned is the stuff that's been used in Africa, in Ghana for years and years, and now it can't be repaired any longer. But you'd be shocked at how long something is used. I have a chapter in the book that opens with me visiting a man by the name of Ibrahim Al-Hassan, who a TV repairman in a small town in northern Ghana. And at the time I visited him, he was working on a 30, 35-year-old tube television, fixing it, but not just fixing it. It used to have, when he got it, you would change channels manually. He was installing a remote control unit into it, which tells you how sophisticated his repairs are, but also how long these things can last if they're given to people who want to keep using them. So we might not use a TV in Europe or the US for 30 years, but they will. And if the parts are available. And if the parts are available, and that gets to one of the solutions I talk about in this book, is right now our electronics manufacturers around the world really want to hold on to the repair business and the parts business. It's a way for them to generate extra revenue. We've seen Apple, for example, do this. They're they're promoting their Genius Bar. They're promoting they, themselves as a place where you can get your phone fixed. But if you can only go to the Genius Bar and the authorized repair people, that leaves people in Accra, Ghana or Savalugu, Ghana out in the cold. So there's proposals out there in the uh, in the United States. States States in particular, and in Europe, to require the manufacturers to make their parts available, so long as they're making them available to their authorized service centers, and that would promote repair and device durability.
2: We have a minute and a half left. What do you want people what do What do you want people to get from this book? Uh, What's their takeaway? What's your takeaway?
4: Well, for me, the biggest takeaway was to reduce my consumption. Now, I was never much of a shopper anyway, but when you go around the world and spend time at the donation, I spent days sitting on a stool at the donation door at a Goodwill watching stuff come through, and that makes an impression. You see how much stuff we're throwing away, you know, how much stuff we're wasting. I went to home cleanouts in Japan and the United States. Most of the stuff in our homes really isn't worth anything but our sentiments, our nostalgia, and that made a huge impression. And, you know, so I've started, when I gift people at the holiday season, I'm not buying stuff and buying experiences give people gift certificates give them things that they can experience with their families you know you know because ultimately nothing lasts forever mm-hmm. your stuff is ultimately going to be wasted no matter how well made it is it's going to be recycled some of it's going to end up in a landfill let's stop consuming so much of it
2: uh, and one of the things you could give is this book. It is called Secondhand Travels in the New Global Garage Sale. It might end in book off, and they might shave the corners <laughs> of it, but who knows? Uh, Adam Minter, thank you so much. We finally got together, and I really appreciate it. Now, you're going to do this again. I'm going to make you come back on the show. All Absolutely. Fr- from across the planet. Okay. Uh, and, by the way, good luck at the game. Go Vikings. I will tell Go you that. Vikings. The Mike okay. Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right
4: back. Mike. Mike.
0: Illinois has become a national leader in solar energy installation, and right now you can save 60 to 70 percent on installation costs. You want it for your home or business, but you don't know where to start. So give our friends at Albright Solar a call. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions, and we've worked with them for a decade. They're good people, and they know their stuff. Go to albright.solar or call 773 887 6446.
1: The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Listen carefully, and you just might learn something.
2: No one educates and promotes gardening
4: like you and Peggy. Uh, we applaud you, and you do a great job. You're actually
5: saving lives. You don't realize it, but you're able to help affect our
2: area. We try to do that, uh, and that, of course, is uh, that's mom and dad on the line
1: there. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Sunday mornings from 9 to 11, right here on Smart Talk.
2: You can't tell what this is, can you?
0: Well, I know what the original song is.
2: Which original song? There's two. This is a mashup. Oh, no, the Creep. Yes. There you go. It's uh, It's a mashup of Creep by Radiohead. And Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. I love this. This is hilarious.
0: Although I may have to reset my brain after hearing this. (laughs) (laughs) Is there an editorial uh, opinion back there? Uh, No.
2: Mashing up Creep and Mariah Carey? Wait a minute. It's just funny. (laughs) And it's by this guy named William uh, Morenzi. And uh, he's uh, this one has more than hundred thousand views, of course.
0: Oh, well, we'll give William a ding. There you uh,
2: go. And he's done. It's just I've got another one that takes a <laughs> Christmas Carol and does some weird stuff with it. So welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We were talking to Adam Minter uh, about his new book Secondhand Travels. So, so in the, many
0: things we could talk oh, about. Oh my out goodness, of
2: that book. We, we could go on for hours with that. Uh, in fact, we want to continue that conversation. To the end of the hour here, because it brought all kinds of things to mind for us. Now, you want there were things from the book that you wanted to bring up. I think you should start with that, Peggy.
0: Yeah, there's a passage where he's talking. uh, He's going through um, a a resale mall in Minnesota, um, and and he's he's looking at a lot of old furniture, and he's walking through all the different floors, and he just makes this comment that I'm. Trying to get the, the page back because I'm on Kindle here, um, and he's looking at all of this this really heavy duty oak furniture mm-hmm. that everybody thinks has big value and nobody really wants for any number of reasons. It's too big, it's too old, it's whatever. It's hard to move. And
2: and that was one of the things he said in the book. There are places in the world. When he mentions oak furniture, their eyes light up. And then in Minnesota, they can't get yeah. rid of it anymore. Yeah, and Nobody cu- buys that stuff. The
0: passage I marked here is the oak furniture that isn't selling now, we cleared Michigan's forests to make that stuff. And now it's on the third floor, meaning nobody wants it. And we cut down all the forests. We cleared all these forests. that won't come back as original growth. They're now coming back as... You know, different forests, but But all that is now sitting or it's
2: in a landfill. The point being, though, that tastes change from generation Mm -hmm. to generation. There was a whole generation that, you know, 30 years ago was paying big bucks for that oak furniture. Uh, Adam writes that millennials don't want it. Because they, they're smaller apartments, uh, different styles.
0: Mm-hmm. New buildings it, that are all glass windows, big they, old furniture do not to move,
2: Right. They don't want to move a 200-pound bureau from one to another yeah. just because it's made of oak. So they're mm-hmm. traveling lighter. So now we've got these things sitting up there. But the tastes change also in collectibles. You talk about Star Wars collectibles. And, Talking uh, about... What's popular? What you grew up with as a kid right. that you
0: might want to buy when even, you have disposable income.
2: Even glass. Some people, he he was talking about Pyrex at one point. He says he grew up with that. So mm-hmm. p- to him, Pyrex is a collectible. To others, it was stained glass, but that's gone out of fashion. So everything changes yeah. uh, constantly uh, in what's collectible and what's not. And so one day it's a collectible, the next day it's junk, and, and you can't unload it. And you it, can't unload it. Nobody wants it. And yet you hate to get rid of it. And yet here we are. And I mentioned it uh, earlier that right now. It's Christmas! And that's the reaction of a lot of people. And they're running out to the stores because they're terrified. They're not going to find the right gift. So they'll buy almost anything. As long as they have something to give to somebody. Try something ephemeral. Folks, something as Adam said—a gift certificate, uh, a good cause. We've done that in the past. Mm-hmm. We say we donated this money in your name. Enjoy. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, looking to our show, seeds, bulbs, things like that for next year. Right for your for your gardening friends. Things they'll get used. Yep. And put in the ground and last for years, perhaps, uh, if they get put in the ground. Yeah, just not <laughs> not tchotchkes and not. But 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 we are a chotchkey society. We are a tchotchke society, and not everybody is. Yeah, I, I don't think you are. I don't think I am. Although, if you came to my house, you'd say, oh, my gosh, look at – well, you have. You've been in there, and I've been in your house. Um, this is a lifetime of yeah, or stuff, it was, getting stuff. It and belonged to stuff.
0: your parents or your grandparents. Or I, I would say if you're going to give tchotchkes, buy them secondhand.
2: And by the way, I, I found an article in MarketWatch uh, that says gift wrap. And when you're talking about oh, the holidays and going no. going green a little can, bit. Can
0: I use this this catalog as gift wrap? Sure. Use, a, Yeah, use a catalog. Use all use, these gardening catalogs that are now starting to flood the mailboxes?
2: Right. Gift and, wrap. And then they're gone. I mean, then that season's over. And then I, I, I threw out some catalogs the other day that were from 2010. I thought, what am I doing with these garden catalogs from 2010? Uh, gift wrap is still a huge business in the United States. Uh, sales of wrapping paper climbed 4% to 8.14 bi- Why? Bi- Why? billion Why? dollars last year according to a recent report by Sundale research but sales of reusable gift bags rose faster so that's a good trend we do that mm-hmm. a lot yeah in our household give a gift in a reusable gift bag and <laughs> and, and sometimes they go gift bags go back and forth for oh, years yeah.
0: Sticker after sticker after sticker on top of them, yep.
2: Uh, Here are some quick tips. Choose recyclable gift wrap. Papers that contain foil, plastic coating, cellophane, and glitter are not recyclable, according to the American Forest and Paper Association. The rule of thumb is to crumple up the paper. If it stays in a tight ball, it's paper-based and can be recycled. Uh, Go with gift bags, as we mentioned. Wrap with fabric. Use towels. Uh, An ancient craft in Japan is gaining converts elsewhere. 10,000 Villages, a fair trade retail Mm -hmm. chain, sells gift wrap made from saris that are recycled by artisans in Bangladesh. Uh, Recycle it all. TerraCycle, who've been on our show, promises to recycle everything, including ribbons, bows, tissue paper, and wrapping paper with glitter in its gift zero waste Hmm. box. We might need to talk to them about that. The company sends customers an empty box with a paid return label once it's full of gift wrap Customers send it back. TerraCycle says it has processes for even hard-to-recycle products like ribbon, which it uses for insulation, uh, or melts into plastic pellets. The company says a medium box is the most popular size for family gatherings. It costs $147. So some people will look at that and go, "Well, why don't I just throw it out in the garbage?" Well, maybe you shouldn't just maybe you shouldn't buy it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, be careful of what you're giving, because you're not just giving the gift, you're giving everything that surrounds the gift. And then they have to figure out what to do with it when they don't want it. <sighs> okay. Well, <laughs> thanks so much for <laughs> our friends listening on the network. Well, locally, we'll be back, but otherwise, go green or go home.
5: Captain's Log, started 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report inexplicable captain they appear to be perambulating vegetables we are being stalked by stalks of asparagus
6: that is incorrect mr Worf. asparagus officinalis or killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author mike novak mike novak i'm familiar with his work mike novak was one of the smartest funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century
5: sound red alert shields up Tell me more, Mr. Data.
6: He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe.
5: Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's
6: stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com.
5: AroundTheBlockPress.com? AroundTheBlockPress.com? Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. (laughs) AroundTheBlockPress.com.
2: How many times can I say it?
1: Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak.
3: All I need is good food to eat. Make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to
2: Welcome back food to, to the Mike Novak food. Show with Peggy Malecki. Wow, what a show we have for you today. It's uh, I'm very excited because uh, um, we have right here in the studio... Well, first of all, we had Adam Minter in the first hour, which was... He's terrific. The book is wonderful. You should pick it up. Uh, his book is, is called Secondhand Travels in the New Global Garage Sale. But now we have... Breaking news on um, the mic note. Do do do
0: do 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 that was pretty do 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 do. good
2: too, man. I found that <laughs> I just did a little roulette there. I just did a, a kind of a, a, a YouTube roulette. Let's uh, wait. Let's bring it back because there's another one here too. Let's try this one. That works pretty well, too. All right. Anyway, we were just pulling it off the
0: uh, the UPI feed machine back in
2: the back room. Oh wait, this is a. This might be a five dinger. In the old days, you had the uh, the, the wire machines uh, When yep. I, back when I was working in Detroit. Uh, back at WNUR um, for me. You, oh, yeah. Mine was WWJ uh, Detroit, and uh, we were an all-new station, and they had uh, the ticker tape machines and the wire machines, and they would ding. And five dings was a major story. I remember the five dinger going off one Saturday afternoon when Elvis died. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and there were a few others uh, like that. In fact, I I, for that. the longest time, I saved the first notice of that from that machine. I had it in my, my notes somewhere. I, who knows where it is now? But uh, the news we're breaking today is uh, the city of Chicago uh, lost a court case to the people in this room right now. And they are mm-hmm. Pete Cisnicka, who's been on the show before. Pete, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to uh, you. And Jeffrey P. Smith, uh, his attorney. And I have to just say, and good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Um, I have to say congratulations because we've been talking about this issue now for seven years um, and this it 's been a cash cow for the city where they go and they find people uh, for having their lawns overgrown, but sometimes they 're not lawns sometimes they're plantings that were done on purpose, as in the case of Pete and Noreen, says Nika, who put native plants in their front yards and got caught in the maw, uh, if I may use that term of city government and bureaucracy um, and most of the time over the years and and some People, significant people in the environmental community, have been ticketed, uh, uh, and uh, I know these people, and many of them just said, "No, nah, I'm not going to fight it. It's not worth it," uh, and they pay the $600 fine. And Pete, you, you're, you, <laughs> you said, "No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm going to fight this." And when you went into court, I thought, you know what? He's going to lose this, and he's going to end up paying $600. But I wish him well. Mm-hmm. And that did not happen. So congratulations to both of you.
0: And it happened pretty quickly.
2: Um, Yeah, it did. I mean, you had like one continuance and then you came back and the administrative judge said, "Okay." So here's what we're going to do on the show today, because I know we're going to break in in uh, in about a minute. Uh, When we come back, we will talk about this case and uh why it is that you won this what this means for the future talk about the law the ordinance the so-called weed law in Chicago that has been the bane of natural gardeners existence now for quite a while and and don't get me wrong it is useful in if if it were a a, a law that was written properly we could use because you don't want Uh, empty fields being overgrown with weeds and and grass. My point is I can tell the difference between overgrown grass and a native planting in about 10 seconds, and so can pretty much anybody else. So that's what we're going to talk about. Again, very pleased to be breaking the story, and apparently we are. The Mike Novak Show uh, broke this story, and thank you for that. Pete Sznicka and Jeffrey P. Smith will be talking about Chicago's weed law when we come back.
0: It's the holiday season, and City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, has everything you need to decorate and celebrate. Christmas trees, locally grown in Wisconsin, wreaths, swag, custom holiday containers, and more. Pick them up or have them delivered. Grab unique gifts for the gardener in your life. And don't forget, Mike Novak and the Frozen Robins stop by on Thursday, December 19th at 6.30 p.m. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. Citygrange.com. Learn. Shop. Jingle.
2: This is Mike Novak. The song says it's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you're homeless. And I'm Bill Turk. It's hard to know what to do, but you can design a care kit for people in need, something that will do some good in the short
3: run.
0: And I'm Peggy Malecki. The number one item people need is good socks, high quality wool or thermal. Hats, gloves and scarves are also important, along with hygiene products like deodorant, body wash, toothbrushes and toothpaste, band-aids, lip balm, wet wipes, even nail clippers.
2: Food products can include high-protein snacks, easy-to-open tuna, crackers and peanut butter, applesauce, granola bar, or fruit rolls. And I put everything in a one-gallon Ziploc bag. And if you can, make a connection, offer a smile, or even your first name.
0: And don't forget to include some feminine products, too.
2: You're not changing the world. Just making one person's world a little better for a little while. Everybody sing along, please.
1: Last Christmas I gave you my heart But the very next day you gave it away This year to save me from tears oh, I dear. gave it to
0: someone special Oh, no!
5: Oh,
2: yes. <laughs> oh. Make oh, it okay. stop! Uh. How's that? Thank you. I made it stop. This too? No, you
0: can keep digging.
2: okay. Sorry about that. It's uh, this is the the way things roll on the show sometime. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki and one more time. Oh my, that's a, a several dinger yes, it is. there. Okay. Breaking news, the Mike Novak show uh uh, is telling you for the first time, and you'll probably see this in other outlets uh, as we move on, because I know um, uh, Jeff and Pete are eager to share the good news, and this is very good news, that uh, they beat the city of Chicago. <laughs> that's this...
0: a new precedent.
2: Well, I don't know. I guess that's a question we ask, um, and we'll get to that. But first of all, um, Jeff Smith, uh, tell me about your background a little bit. You're a lawyer, but you're also involved in environmental matters to some degree.
6: I've been a lifelong environmentalist, and I actually went to law school with the idea of uh, helping to save the planet, as, as, <laughs> as, it, as it were. Oh, you silly boy! <laughs> you get uh, you don't get as many chances as you'd like. But I uh, did serve as the general counsel for the Illinois Department of Natural Resources for uh, the, uh, the last year and a half of the Quinn administration, and a long time ago, I was with the City of Chicago Law Department. So this was. Uh, so coming... you
2: know about this? You know how this works? Yeah. A little bit. Uh, Tell us about the process because, all right, so what happens here and what has happened to a number of people over the the years is they they decide they're going to put native plants in their yards. All right. And, in fact, I first became aware of this in 2012 when Kathy Cummings... Um, who had won in 2004 the mayor's landscape awards for natural garden okay it was a real award during that time and then in 2012 she gets slapped with a ticket uh, for the very same garden and said you need to pay six hundred dollars and she fought it she fought for years didn't she jeff it's a pretty steep fine so i can't blame somebody Mm -hmm. on the
6: other hand uh, you know, are you going to get a lawyer to, uh are you going to spend thousands of dollars on legal fees over a, a $600 fine? It's a tough predicament for anybody who's sure. caught up in that.
2: And th- and that's how the city wins often, is that people can't afford to have a lawyer in there. They, they're probably not lawyers themselves, and they don't know what to do. So they say, okay, this is what I, I'll just pay the fine and let's move on because I can't afford it. I, I've been involved in legal matters, and that's the hard part is paying the lawyer, even if you win. It's true in all
6: sorts of uh, aspects of the law. Uh, yeah, you know, there's a there's a lot of uh, low level cases, as you were, that are important to the uh, average person. Six hundred bucks to me is still a lot of money. Yeah, and but uh, you know there are plenty of attorneys that won't touch
2: anything where you don't have many more zeros than that involved. All right, so explain to the people, and and Pete, we'll get to you in a second here. I'm not going to leave you out of this, but i got the lawyer in the room, and I want to talk to him and ask him about this uh, and jump in on this, Pete, because you were part of this process. Explain, Jeff, how an administrative hearing works. I mean, uh, Pete, you got a ticket in September for a violation that they say you committed in June. So, first of all, there was the delay, and you had no idea this was coming down the pike, did you? That's correct. Right. So, surprise on September 4, here's a here's a, a ticket that you get a violation was on June 22nd. That's correct. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, he's got to go his what are his choices at that point, Jeff?
6: Well, for things where all- There's a a massive volume of citations, like parking tickets. Uh, Most people can just mail it in, but Mm -hmm. uh, most uh, cities and large governments have set up processes whereby you can ask for an administrative hearing. So instead of going to a full-blown circuit court judge, you go before a city or sometimes state uh, mm-hmm. hired um, independent contractor who sits there and serves with the the authority so of this a, is not a judge a, a
2: real judge or is it a real judge
6: uh, we approached it like it was a real judge okay. and they, they they deserve the deference it's 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 hard work if you sit through a morning of their cases you sure. see that it's real volume work um, but uh, it's uh, it, most people do not contest them because uh, simply uh, of the time and expense and aggravation in, involved. So uh, if you sit through a morning of the of the calls in any type of administrative uh, uh, process, you'll see that a lot of them are be, are by default. Essentially, this uh, is treated as an agency decision. It's uh, the administrative hearing officer is is adjudicating on behalf of the city of Chicago. In this case, the Department of Streets and Sanitation, or whoever. Uh,
2: issues a citation. So you go in and you you, you present your case, and usually it's it's uh, determined rather quickly, I would think.
6: We asked for a hearing, and because they're not set up on the morning of, uh, uh, of the first call to uh, have hearings, if mm-hmm. everybody showed up and asked for hearings, the whole system would grind to a halt. You sit there, and they're going through them, bang, bang, bang. So they set another date, and we would have gone there, except uh, that uh, Pete's wife, Ner- Noreen, had uh, surgery, so... Uh, and
2: so you had to put it off until December fifth. Yes. Okay. Uh, and so you went back in. It, it, did that help because you had a little more time to prepare, or did you know what your defense was going to be from the get go? We pretty knew what, uh,
6: pretty much knew what it was going to be. But it's always, it's often helpful to have a little
2: additional time. All right. Let's back up just a little bit here, Pete. Tell us about the garden in your yard. You did when you were on the show in October, but this is a garden that you put together on the advice of the city of Chicago, correct?
3: Yes. uh, So we can start a long time ago. And uh, when my son, who's now 40, was 12 and in the Boy Scouts, we volunteered for the North Branch Prairie Restoration Project for probably a good decade every weekend. And we had a good idea of what that was like. Uh, professionally, I'm a highway engineer, I do safety, erosion control, uh, things that are kind of on the on the fringes of highway work. But I was a design, the design engineer for five miles of bioswales along the uh, tollway, tollway up on the tri-state from the Kennedy North all the way up to Lake County. Uh, so I was familiar there and that was about 2010. And in 2010, the Late great Department of the Environment ran the Center for Green Technology. You can ring that bell. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want it over, inter- over <laughs> on Sacramento. I didn't want it over to interrupt on you. Sacramento. Yeah. And they ran, you know, they had training classes for the general public and some training classes for professionals. And we went to those classes and they ended up having a plant sale out of the Center for Green Technology that I'm convinced was set up, was, was proposed and done so that the Department of the Environment, who was at that time in charge of the city's municipal separate storm sewer system permit, could mm-hmm. tell the federal government that the city was acting responsibly, educating the citizens about native plant gardens and rain gardens, and even selling them plants so that these could be installed in by citizens
2: around the city. And so you took their advice, you bought some plants, you put them in your yard, you cultivated them, which we're going to find out is key, a key word in this. Uh, and uh, I've i have been to your house, I took a photo uh, of your garden. It was late season, uh, and we all know a late season's not quite as pretty, but if you look at the photo that Jeff sent me from earlier in the season, yeah, you see lots of cup plants, you see other things. um, um more uh, uh what's the um solidago i can never remember the uh uh golden thank you uh, can, uh <laughs> is that re- the bell i fixed yeah. yeah i think that's the one you fixed uh and other plants uh there on the property and very happy with it and then suddenly out of the blue in 2019 you get hit with this. here spine. comes the city and the garden had been there since 2011 I mean, it's
3: just, it's not like I had put it in and they came by right away. It's been there for a number of years. Was it a
0: complaint or just a random drive-by?
3: It it doesn't say, but I know in the 45th Ward, there are other community gardens that uh, have plants that are taller than 10 inches with no turf grass anywhere. Mm -hmm. There are individuals who have native plant gardens where the plants are way taller than 10 inches with no turf grass, and they've never gotten a ticket. Mm. Uh, And so it would seem to me, and it has been suggested to me, that this was kind of a selective and uh, somewhat politically motivated
2: (laughs) effort. But who knows? There's no way to prove that.
3: Well, even if it wasn't, that's the
6: problem with an ordinance or any kind of law that's vague, or where the standards are open to subjectivity, because you could end up even in a uh, benign enforcement regime, with uh, prosecutions that are arbitrary yeah. or uh, random and, in the worst-case scenarios, are, are punitive or vindictive.
0: And there and, were some vague terms in the city's ordinance.
2: It's Sorry. It, there still are. Yeah, I, I was going to get to that because our friend Charlotte Edelman, who is an author of the Midwest – Midwestern native gardens, Midwestern native shrubs and trees, and Prairie Directory of North America. She's also a lawyer, and I know that she's been in the, the back and forth correspondence that's been going on about this for years, and I'm talking seven years now. Uh, she's been part of the conversation, and in her words, I will I will quote her here she says this sloppily drafted inarticulate confusing and misleading ordinance should be repealed and that's her, what she says she wants to repeal the ordinance and replace it with a model ordinance uh that has been drafted in the midwest and she says it's very elegant pop it in it's easy to do uh i don't know that that's going to happen what do you do you know about this model ordinance jeff I think this is a
6: real teachable moment. I've taken a look at the model ordinance, and uh, um, it's doing. uh, It really reduces prosecutions to only noxious weeds. I'm not sure that would cover everything Mm -hmm. that a city the size of Chicago wants to take on, because nobody wants neglected vacant lots. But what's happened is that the basically the vacant lot or completely neglectful homeowner uh, ordinance has found. native gardeners and prairie yeah. gardeners and wildflower gardens and butterfly gardens getting shoehorned into it. And that's not, I'm pretty sure that was never really the intent.
0: Yeah, it's lumped it all together from perhaps inspectors who don't know the difference.
6: So there's a number of ways to approach it. The model ordinance is, is is one way to start, but it might not be the easiest because uh, governments tend to be more comfortable with amendments to what they've got rather than tearing it well she says that's the
2: problem all right she says that the ordinance as crafted now is so vague and unworkable that it really deserves to be junked and replaced repeal and replace is what we're talking Hmm. about here because part of the ordinance now says uh part of the violation you got pete uh from uh code 10-32-050 failure to maintain maintain parkway, uh, quote, weeds on parkway over 10 inches causing rodent problem. Did you have a rodent problem? No, we didn't have a
3: rodent problem. And just to prove that,
2: we had a a
3: pest control firm come over and do an inspection of the front yard and the backyard and the parkway, and
2: there were no rodents. And you were also cited for violation of code 7-28-120, parentheses A, (laughs) <laughs> weeds in excess of ten inches. The note reads: weeds on property, on average, are greater than ten inches in height. Uh, did they prove that they were more than ten inches in height? But that's as in your case, that wasn't the issue, though, was it? Jim? No,
6: there is no question that things were over ten inches in height. If you're oh. planting goldenrod or yeah, most, yeah. most most prairie plants, the way that prairie plants survive is by getting as tall as possible and then trying to uh, flop over and dominate their neighbors. Uh, but uh, we chose to tackle head-on the question of whether or not these were weeds and said, look, these are are things that were purposely planted. They're intentional. A weed is something that's growing where you don't want it to be, Mm -hmm. and these are plants where Pete and Noreen wanted them to be, and they were doing quite well. If, and we
2: bought them from the city. And you <laughs> bought them. That's the, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Hey, you have to keep throwing that in. By the way, the city told us to do this, and then they, like, find us, then they find us $600. And it still does. If you go on the city's website, they've got lists of recommended native plants. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll get into this. I want to talk about the, the definitions and how you were able to argue this, uh, and also talk about wh- why it might be, important to have an ordinance like that, but just don't get people like Pete caught in the machinery of government. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back.
1: Hello, this is Brock from Hero Power. Dirty Power is suffocating Chicago. Stop paying for coal to burn and choose the easiest way to switch to clean energy today. Hero Power offers a no-hassle option for Illinois residents to pay for renewable electricity sources like wind and solar and keep paying the same rate as they did with ComEd. The same rate. It's a no Brainer, your money goes toward renewable energy and you avoid long-term contracts, termination fees, or the need to schedule another appointment. You can do all of this in just three minutes and drastically reduce your carbon footprint right now. So don't just complain about climate change. Do something about it. By switching to Hero Power, you take a huge step towards cutting carbon emissions and utilizing our natural wind and solar energy. It's a reliable and convenient way to switch to paying for premium electricity at no extra cost. Let's fight for a clean energy future together. Get clean energy in just a few clicks at myheropower.com. Enroll today at myheropower.com.
0: Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net or also at thegreendivas.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn and on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. Sign up to get our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net.
2: The Christmas My I think favorite. you like that song I do like that song <laughs> It's peppy Don't you think it, it gets you in the holiday spirit Wait
0: We, we, we needed the Oh there Here we go
2: there we go. That's what we needed. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're see very see what
0: you guys get yourselves into. Uh,
2: you know, you thought this was going to be a serious conversation about law and gardening and that sort of thing. I do nothing. I do is serious here on the show. Well, with their certain exceptions. Uh, in the studio, we are very pleased to have Pete Cisnicka, uh resident of Chicago's Northwest Side. Uh, and a uh, you know and the, and the courts did not realize because you know you talked about your background before what they were getting into because you knew something about what you were doing you're not just some schlub who came in there and didn't know what he was putting in his yard and you've had experience planting swales and that sort of thing uh, and we have Jeff Smith and they didn't know what they were getting into with Jeff Smith because he's an environmentalist so it, it was an an unholy duo that came into. The courtroom, and, and don't forget Noreen. Noreen came along, and too. A Noreen too. Yes, that's an mm-hmm. uh, unholy trio. It was okay, pretty Noreen. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's give a ding to Noreen because unconventional.
6: Uh, I'd like to think we were on the side of the angels here.
2: <laughs> I think you are <laughs>
6: unconventional
0: actually. trio, uh, not what they're used to.
2: One of the things we were talking about uh, during the break was the assembly line justice, and that's a problem in the court system. Probably not just in Chicago, but certainly in Chicago, right, Jeff?
6: Well. Uh, Every, everywhere, uh, we're a country of laws, but uh, how does the average person get to enforce their rights? Half the time, they don't even know what the laws are or what their rights are. Mm-hmm. And if they do, how do you find an attorney who can who can take the the case? Mm-hmm. Uh, people are coming out of law school, you know, with one hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in debt, and uh, they're looking for ways to make a living at it. And uh, uh, Pete and Noreen were
2: fortunate enough that I was willing to take the case on a pro bono basis. Uh, and uh, let's get into a little bit uh oh what oh, what i wanted to mention is something else you mentioned is that you guys sat there that morning before uh, and this was last thursday watching cases come and go and and many of them were the same had the same issues that you had were the, the same violations and it was like guilty move on guilty move on the cases are recorded and the judge was reading as fast as she
3: could Having these things recorded just to issue the fine after fine after fine, and mostly to my hearing for South and West Side neighborhoods, and most of them were
6: by default. the 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 respondent wasn't even showing up, uh, and they might not have known about it at well, this point. Well, they get served with the 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 citation. They have to be uh, allegedly, served
2: in, yeah.
6: Well, it comes by mail. Yes, ours came by and, mail, and and then if you uh, if, if there's no response to that, they go out and post a sign on your. On your
2: property, but Ah, uh, so so those folks might have known, unless they're not paying attention to their properties, or they're not there. And that is where uh, a law like this, a better law, can do some good, because again, as I mentioned earlier, we don't want properties that are out of control. You want people who own the properties to be good stewards and and landlords of those properties the problem is when we get people who deliberately put in these kinds of plants native plants as you said prairie plants like to grow taller this 10 inch rule is kind of arbitrary uh and and there are other problems here let me read uh something that you wrote to me jeff you said uh <laughs> and this will be on record now too roll that video roll that audio tape Uh, The judge's order states that the city did not meet its burden of proof. The judge, before issuing her written order, gave an oral opinion stating that the city established a prima facie case through the inspector's citation. In most cases, that carries the day. However, the judge effectively found that the city's prima facie case was rebutted by the Siznickas testimony and evidence showing that the plantings were not weeds and that their gardens, including the parkway, were managed and maintained. The judge also specifically noted that the Siznickas hired a pest inspector who found no evidence of a rodent problem. We also argued that the city weeds ordinance has no definition of weeds. How can you have a weed ordinance that does not have a definition of weeds, which creates a perilous, and some would say, unconstitutional situation for gardeners? We did argue that under commonly understood meaning, this is Nika's garden, were not weeds. The judge agreed that that section of the code has no definition, and although this wasn't a construction code's case she used for garden for guidance part of the construction code's that says all undefined terms in those codes shall be governed by Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. With respect to weed, she focused on the dictionary factors of, quote, undesirable and, quote, uncultivated, and found that we had established both that the plantings were desirable and cultivated. That beat the 10-inch weed ordinance. And it seems really simple. Why has nobody done this in seven years? Uh,
6: for all I know, some people have. These uh, administrative decisions don't normally get reported. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just as a bull ma- market can make en- you know anybody look like a financial genius, yeah. uh, having great facts and great clients can make a simple country lawyer look brilliant, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't think you're a simple country lawyer, but uh, that... As you said before, though, you took it head on. It's okay. What are the definitions? And and this is where Charlotte Aylman's critique of the law comes into play. You don't even define weeds. One of the things that she's railed about over the years is people say, but I've got native plants. She says, the word native plants doesn't occur in this ordinance. It's irrelevant. It's the words that you used, undesirable and uncultivated, and you proved that they were cultivating it. Mm-hmm. How, how was that proven? by
3: the way.
6: Direct testimony. We asked uh, Pete and, and uh,
3: Noreen. Noreen does most of the maintenance along with a young man from the neighborhood and they'll work together out there. I, there's 12 bags of whatever we've taken out since we I was on the radio here with you guys last, <laughs> sitting in the garage waiting for a pickup from Streets and Sand. Uh-huh. And
0: I would presume it's desirable because the plants were on the list of what you got from the city.
3: And we see plenty of butterflies and birds and grasshoppers and yeah, whatever but, else that are out there yeah, also. Yeah, but even
0: from the standpoint of what the city says plant this, it's, it's desirable. Well,
6: it's, and we we brought in a list of yeah. all the plants that were there. I don't know how many other people
2: have done that. Uh Oh, I uh, bet other people yeah. have done that. I would be that that would be the first thing that I would do. Yeah. I would and you know, and I would probably use circles and arrows and uh, as our Guthrie says, <laughs> <laughs> eight by ten and with a glossy with a picture and a description on the pictures. back of each one showing each one. Yep. Yeah. Well, we got down
6: to the point of asking, uh, for example, I asked Noreen, "What tools do you use? How often do you go out and lop and prune? Do you mm-hmm. deadhead? Do you thin?" Uh, Pete was able to testify uh, the depth of the of the swale that he yeah. cre- created. So we had a, a fair amount of detail. We were loaded for bear. Good for you. So,
2: Uh,
0: so, And and we've got a question which probably leads into where you're going with some of this. All right.
2: Take the question.
0: Um, Will this win have an effect on future cases or could it prompt a change in the ordinance itself?
6: Yes to the second part and – uh, probably not so much to the first part except to the extent that the city is now uh, aware that they can lose these cases i would hope mm-hmm. that uh, a benevolent administration w- would pass the word down to streets and san Hey, let's you know lay off the, the the native gardeners but really the the opportunities for
2: this teachable moment to yeah. transform yeah. itself into a change in law and uh i will mention as you're saying that um Still waiting for the city of Chicago to reinstate the Department of the Environment. Still waiting for the city of Chicago to address this at all. I, d- I have seen nothing coming out of City Hall regarding this. You guys went to the administrative level and, and won, but we're, I, I'm not hearing any direction. I'm hearing crickets, uh, and they're not coming from your garden, Pete, all right? <laughs> um, I'm hearing crickets from the— uh, from the new administration in terms of environmental matters. And I'm getting a little nervous and a little testy about it on the radio. I, I, I you know, this would be a, a good place to, to maybe set some precedent. I don't know.
3: Mayor Lightfoot has a big lift and, you know, like know. Stephen Covey
2: says, big rocks first. Yeah. So I that's... guess, well, you, you're very, uh, uh, being what, what would be the words? Sanguine about it, not sanguine, but generous. You're being, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt. I'm the radio guy. I'm not giving the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Before we go, though, um, one thing that uh, uh, our, our our friend uh, Charlotte said. If this happens to you, be sure to keep your garden landscape, regardless of its so-called average height, maintained and managed and be prepared to prove it in court with testimony, records showing maintenance and with photographs, receipts and witnesses. Second, hire a lawyer before you go to court. Don't wait until you lose the case. Follow your lawyer's advice. Don't get sidetracked by matters that, though important in the big picture, are not relevant to winning your case. Do you agree with that, Jeff? You
6: shouldn't have to hire a lawyer to be a gardener.
2: (laughs) All right. With those words of wisdom, I'm going to thank uh, Jeffrey P. Smith and Pete Cisnicka. Congratulations on your victory in court. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Rick DeMayo, Weather is next. You want to install a solar energy system for your home, but you're afraid you'll be overwhelmed by choices and jargon. You need to talk to our friends at Albright Solar. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions. They take the confusion out of the process and make solar simple, giving you the confidence to enjoy your investment. Harness the power of the sun. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. 2019 marked 20 years of Faith in Place, empowering people of all faiths to be leaders in caring for the earth. Not only that, right now is the 10th annual season of the Indoor Winter Farmers Market Program. Enjoy fresh local food from November to April at Indoor Farmers Markets, hosted by 16 Chicagoland Houses of Worship on select Saturdays and Sundays. Faith in Place accepts Illinois link card snap benefits. For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org.
1: And how the reindeer love them As they shouted, I agree. You should have heard him. Rudolph, you're no reindeer. You know that in history.
2: Oh, yeah. Welcome back. I'm Rudolph. With Rudolph. Uh huh. Thank you, Ray Charles. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Before we get to Rick DeMaio, very quickly, uh, Jeff Smith and Pete Nick are still in the studio because, Jeff, you said something. You were working on a similar law in Evanston.
6: Well, actually, this was going on a couple of years ago where um – I'm on the board of a group called Citizens Greener Evanston. We have a subgroup called uh, Natural Habitat. Uh, There's a woman named Leslie Shad who spearheaded a number of uh, great initiatives in Evanston. One of them was to try and get the city to revise its, quote, noxious weed law, because, again, you have a lot of things that uh, were considered... Pests, in, yeah. back when we were a more agricultural state, but that are Like not, milkweed. Like milkweed, exactly. And you got
2: milkweed removed from the noxious weed list. That's correct. That's great. And Pete said something brilliant. He said, you had an idea for the city of Chicago, and if the Lori Lightfoot administration is listening, here it is. The city should come along and just provide a, a
3: template, a series of templates for parkways or for front gardens using their own approved native plant lists and to prov- then they could provide some structure, they could provide some you know, blooming at different times of the year, and they could even register them with the streets and sanitation department so that you would know that this was not a inappropriate place. Quickly, yes. If you had a 15 by
6: 15 plot in even just 100 households in uh, every ward, that would equate to 25 acres of prairie having been restored in the city of Chicago,
2: which would be outstanding. Uh, City of Chicago, Lori Lifewood, give me a call. We'll talk about this. All right, let's go to our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio. Good morning, Rick.
5: Yes, good morning, Mike. Good um, morning. As you speak to me, good morning, good morning, Mike. As you hear my voice, I'm actually crossing the mighty Mississippi.
2: Wow. Wow. Where you head last week, you were out east. Now you're out west.
5: Yep, and through the amazing uh, travel that I like to do every once in a while, um, get out and about. Spent the weekend in Dubuque, Iowa, which is a really beautiful city, very up-and-coming. Um, spent yesterday kind of traipsing around in the gorgeous town of Kalina.
0: Uh-huh. And
5: what's really interesting out here is people are still talking about the wetness of the spring, the fact that the farmers are still harvesting uh, their corn in some of the fields because they weren't able to get it in, uh, in September, October, and November, uh, and the fact that through the first 11 months of the year, the city and the I should say the airport of Dubuque, Iowa, is now up to 54 inches of rain. Wow. And that's about 15 inches, yeah, above Normal Peak. And there's already some talk about uh, what they might have to be doing to this area mm-hmm. come March, April, and May of 2020, because everything has earmarks of repeating what happened back in 1993 when we had the record flood. It wasn't so much... rain that we had that spring and summer, but it was the rain and snow that we had in the fall. Mm. Uh, In addition to that, the price of hay for farm animals is through the roof because of the hay crop. I think they may have only gotten two cuttings in as opposed to three. So whenever I come out here, I always like to talk about, and in some instances for uh, cuttings, but I always like to talk to the locals, kind of get their feeling about what's going on. I don't like to really talk about climate change, but man, staying in a hotel in Dubuque, Iowa, we were inundated with political ads because, as you all know, the first primary is in Iowa. Uh-huh. It, it almost seems like the primary is going to be next week. It, it, it's that much saturated with Democratic ads.
2: Oh, I'm so glad I don't live in Iowa. <laughs> oh, just so glad. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and- no, it's a, it's a pretty state. It, it's pretty, it, you know, Dubuque, Dubuque is very cosmopolitan. It's not as farmy as you may think. No, 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 no. Um, I I, I, from from the ad I, perspective, I was
2: just talking about the ads. I mean, uh, otherwise, oh, oh, yeah, well, I, I, I was get, fine. Get, it's get just
5: ready for that to happen in Illinois when it gets no. close to that. But I'm sure, I'm sure these people are being, I'm sure they're being inundated uh, a lot more than most other states. Obviously, because they're number one on the list.
2: Yeah, uh, and and I have to tell you that uh, your forecast once again has been spot on. Really, in Chicago. Oh, okay yeah nothing there's been nothing going on. it's just been sort of yeah we're just sitting here at i look out in my back porch every morning it's forty degrees it, it nothing seem, yeah. nothing yeah. seems to change
5: yeah and it's pretty amazing. and I just sent you guys out a a new one about a half hour ago sorry for the delay I was busy with other things um <laughs> but we literally are in a near dry pattern uh a near normal pattern I should say near temperature wise um pretty pretty much for the next 7 to 10 days. Every once in a while, you'll get this little bit of a dip of Arctic air, as we'll get into Monday night into Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, But by and large, this has been a very dry pattern, one that we needed. And Mm -hmm. another thing that was interesting, driving west on 20, from Rockford up to uh, Galena and Dubuque, every area where you had the possibility of, like, marshes and wetlands and, um, you know, the headwaters of the Kiswashi River, uh, River, they're all flooded. And you look at that and you go, that's not supposed to be that way in December. But the fact that they had so much rain and then so much snow, uh, and then it all melted with that rain we had last week, things are not freezing and sublimating back into the atmosphere as they would normally do in the wintertime. And we've talked about this before. So much of the snow that we're getting that used to sit on the ground and basically shrink back into the atmosphere is melting and going back into the soil. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing that needs to be considered with the changing climate is not so much that we might be getting, you know, less snow on the ground for a longer period of time. That snow is basically transforming into liquid, and the people who live out here, they're the first ones who see it, and they're going to be on the defense come... Of uh, March and April of next year, that will be something to watch as well. For the
2: long term, this is something that yeah. we will we will keep in mind for uh, for next spring and as we progress in into the winter. I was uh, going to say, even up in
0: Southeast Lake County, I was driving around a little bit yesterday. A couple of places I had to go. There's so much standing water yeah, at the side yeah, of the road it, by the rivers.
5: The yep, yeah.
2: yep. All right. But you know
5: what, Mike, it's, it's all, oh, go ahead,
2: Mike. Oh, no, no. Uh, make it quick, and then we'll we'll need to get to a forecast here.
5: You know, I, I think it also kind of shows you that we still don't know that much about nature because we were all talking about how bad the mosquitoes were going to be last year. They were early on, and then we got into a hot, dry spell, and they were gone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go figure that part there. All right, so uh, partly to mostly cloudy, near 40 today, near 45 to 50 tomorrow with rain likely. Rain passes off at each much colder during the day on Tuesday with temperatures in the 20s for Tuesday and Wednesday and back up to the 30s. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of next week. Not an inch of snow around here for the next
2: seven days, guys. Yeah, I'm looking at your PowerPoint, and the very first page says, no significant weather events expected. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your travels and do it safely, okay, Rick? Well, do. Take care, guys. All right, you too. Uh, thanks to everybody on the show today. Adam Minter, uh, author of Secondhand Travels in the New Global Garage Sale. And, of course, our victorious court case folks, Pete Cisnicka, Jeffrey Smith, and, of course, Noreen, who was not able to be here. Congratulations. Uh, You know, what we say to me is,
1: It's Christmas!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, go green or go home.
1: Uh, Stadler. Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.